Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come to you this morning in the precious and mighty name of Jesus. We thank you, Lord, that today you are here, you are present, and that, Lord, by your word, you speak to us. Holy Spirit, give us eyes to see Jesus, to see more clearly your leadership and guidance. And I thank you, Father, that your word speaks deeply and truthfully into our hearts and lives, and it shows us a better way. In Jesus' name, amen, amen and amen. Well, good morning. How are you? All right, good to see you all. Uh, for those of you that don't know me, I am Pastor Jose. I'm the lead pastor here, and it's uh, truly a blessing to have you all here this morning. Um, today, we're going to jump right into the Word, and we're going to continue in a series that we've been in over the last several weeks about the kingdom of God. It's a series that we've entitled Above the Clouds. And basically, what we've been looking at is life according to God's kingdom. And that's an important thing to understand, because listen, whether you know it or not, we are all born into this life, but this life presents a different way of living and approaching circumstances than God's ways do. And so God sees it fit to give us understanding from his kingdom. How many of you know that in the kingdom, there are laws, there are uh, uh, ways in which we are to conduct ourselves, approach life. In, uh, there, there's uh, recipes, there's keys to, that help us to understand how to enjoy this kingdom. And so in the kingdom of God, Jesus says in Matthew 16, 19, that he's given us the keys to the kingdom. And that whatever we bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever we loose on earth will be loose in heaven. Simply put, God wants his way his kingdom, his system, his approach to what life is supposed to be. He wants that to inform how we approach life. And when we follow his ways, what we begin to discover is that keys open up doors for us in different areas of our lives. And one key that we have from God's word that is powerful are his promises. Today, I want to talk to you about the power of God's promises, the power of God's promises. Now, if we could just scale that down a bit, have you ever thought about the power of a promise? Ever thought about that? You know, little kids, when you give them a promise, they hold you to it. You said we were going to the park, right? And, and, and when we don't keep those promises, it has an impact on them. See, promises give us confidence in the uncertain. They give us hope for the distant. And they give us vision beyond that which is currently seen. And promises are powerful, especially when we can trust the one making the promise. And so I pray that you're listening this morning because uh, in 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 1 through 7, it gives us great understanding as to the power of God's promises. Watch what God says in 2 Peter chapter 1, starting at verse 1. It says, Simon Peter, a bondservant and apostle of Jesus Christ. That's just simply the man that God has inspired to bring forth this word. It says, uh, Simon Peter, a bondservant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who have obtained like precious faith with us by the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Now, I want you to do something with me. I want you to turn someone that you don't know. If that means you've got to get up, then I need you to do that. But I want you to go ahead and tell somebody you qualify. Tell somebody you qualify. You qualify. 
And I'm going to tell you why I want you to begin to share this amongst each other. Because we forget what we qualify for according to the kingdom of God. Let me read it to you again. It says that those who have obtained like precious faith with us by the righteousness of our God and Savior Jesus Christ. Anybody know Jesus Christ is their personal Lord and Savior? Then guess what the word is saying? That you have been made righteous by faith. And watch the power of this. In verse 2 it goes on to say grace and peace. Be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. And so God wants to multiply beyond measure what we've received. We have, by God's grace, we are children of God. Listen, that means that God has favored us even if we didn't desire it, even if we didn't deserve it. We have God's favor. We have God's peace. And so the Bible says that grace and peace be, is multiplied unto us in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. Watch this, verse 3. As his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Now we've got to pause there for a moment. Because what we're beginning to see here is that God's word declares that according to his way, according to what he's done in Jesus, we lack nothing. We lack nothing. Now, you might look at your current circumstances and go, well, man, I sure wish I had that truck. Listen closely to what the word of God declares. It says that his divine power, that which is at work in you, Christ, the life of God, which has been deposited in you, that very power, it gives us the ability, it gives us everything that pertains to life and godliness. But watch this. Through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue. Here's the kicker. By which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises. Now, for some Christians today, here's what that means. I see that promise in the Bible, and I see that promise in the Bible, and I see that promise in the Bible, and I see that promise in the Bible. And so, yes, God has given me these great and precious promises in his word, but you've you got to understand the power of them. Watch what he says in Scripture. He says that by these great, he says that by which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises, that through these, watch this, you may be partakers of the divine nature. Partakers. Partakers. Many of us are looking forward to the coming holiday season, Thanksgiving and all that. I, I love that particular holiday. I love every day. But I love that particular holiday because I have family that comes out that wouldn't usually come out. They kind of just go out their way and we get together and we have a great time. But here's one thing that we do on that very night. We partake. We don't just partake of food. We partake of our relationships with one another. We partake of love. We partake of our lives. We share. We laugh. We cry. We enjoy. We have a great time. We partake in every regard. And I want you to begin to see what God's word is saying here. That God wants you to partake of his divine nature and the means by which we do it is through these exceedingly great and precious promises. 
They have been given to us. They are yours. Remember what I said in the beginning. Promises give us hope beyond what we see. They give us vision beyond what we've known. Listen, these great and precious promises of God are not just words on paper. These great and precious promises of God have the power and the ability to empower you and I to live life to the fullest. Now, you might say, I don't get that. And I beg to differ. Let me tell you why. Because we all operate on promises. I'll tell you what I'm talking about. There are those of us that we've operated in life based on the promises of our hangups. We've become so accustomed to failing, to struggling, that life seems dim. Opportunity seems bleak for us. The goodness of God seems far and distant from us. And we operate according to a promise. It might not be a great one, but it's a promise. You know why? Because you can wake up and literally declare, today is going to be a rough day. And you haven't even started the day and you've already seen it, you're already living it, you're already experiencing it, you're already feeling it emotionally in every way you connect to it. And you're operating according to promises. Promises are powerful. You know what promises have the ability to do? To define how we think, how we believe, and what we see as possible. And here's why God's promises are even more powerful and why we should do, we should go far beyond just saying, yep, that's a promise from God. No, we should begin to meditate upon those promises. We should begin to consider what God's word is declaring about our lives, what God's word is defining as our future. What is the hope that it's revealing to us? We should take these great and precious promises because they transform our lives. Reminds me of a story I once read. Uh, actually, it's it's a true account. Um, I, I I write myself notes all the time, so I couldn't even tell you which book I got this from. Um, I should have written myself a note, but uh, a couple of years back, I read a book about a. It was a uh, biographical account of the lives of men um, after the war in in the times of George Washington. And uh, in this particular account, uh, the writing refers to an encounter that a soldier, uh, some soldiers had with an Indian. And basically the way the book uh, accounted for it says, an aged Indian, half naked and famished, wandered into one of our Western settlements. He was begging for food to keep him from starving. And while eagerly devouring the bread that we bestowed by the hand of charity unto him, a brightly colored ribbon from which was suspended a small dirty pouch became evident to us, which hung around his neck. Upon questioning him, this Indian said that this charm was given to him in his younger days. And opening it, he displayed it, he displayed to us a faded, greasy paper, which he handed to the investigator for inspection. It proved 
to be more than just a piece of paper. It proved to be a regular discharge from the federal army entitling him to a pension for life and signed by General Washington himself. I'll tell you why I share that with you. Because while having the promise of the provision for all that life requires, everything that we need for relationship with God and relationship with each other and how to proceed in life, we possess it, we have it. But unless we become conscious of the power of these promises, unless we begin to see differently according to these promises, ladies and gentlemen, you can walk through your entire existence with the promises of God and never avail yourself of their power. Like the account of this unnamed Indian, we too can proceed in life in search of what we need, not realizing that we already have it according to God's great and precious promises. And so the Apostle Peter says to us for this reason that we can experience some really great results. Let's look at verses 5 through 8 in 2 Peter chapter 1. Now, keep, keep in mind that this is building upon the point that he has just made. God has just literally revealed to us, hey, here's the key. Here's a key in the kingdom of God. Take a hold of these exceedingly great and precious promises. Begin to understand them, meditate upon them. Allow them to begin to define how you see life and how you see relationship with God and how you see relationship with others. And so in verses 5 through 8, he says, but also for this reason. That's a bridge there. He's bridging. He's taking us somewhere with this. God is showing us. He says, for this very reason, give all diligence. Add to your faith virtue, to virtue knowledge, to knowledge self-control, to self-control perseverance, to perseverance, godliness, to godliness, brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness, love. Watch this. For if these things are yours and abound, watch this, you will be neither barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Get this picture. He's saying, now that you know that you have these great and precious promises and that by them you partake of God's divine nature. Simply put, that means you can live like God says you can live here on this earth. You can be just like Jesus on this earth. You can do greater things which he said we could do in his name. I didn't say that. The scriptures say that. We are not meant to live life less than what we see in God's word. And while we may struggle at times, just understand something, that God has given you and I everything we need to make it. And so Peter says, now that you understand this, for this reason, for this very reason, he says, you know that faith that you got? Add some virtue to that. Grow in that. And to virtue, add perseverance and self-control and godliness and brotherly kindness and and brotherly kindness and love and all these things. And then he says this, for if these things are yours and abound, listen, they are yours. The question is, are they abounding? And the key is they abound as we become familiarized with these great and precious promises. 
And so when God's promises are the foundation upon which we stand, we can grow in faith. We can grow in virtue. We can grow in knowledge. We can grow in self-control. We can grow in perseverance and godliness and kindness and love. In other words, God's promises are the foundation for excelling in all aspects of life. In all aspects of character. In everything that pertains and is concerning to his kingdom and its ways. Can I say something to you about promises? When someone makes you a promise and you bank on that promise, you're not banking on the words that they said. You're banking on the person who declared that promise. I'm going to tell you why I share that with you. Because here's what we do sometimes as Christians, and I'm guilty of it. What are the promises of God? I declare his word that by his stripes I am healed. And everything that, my sense, that I set my hands to, it prospers and I'm successful. And good. Good. But here's, here's the defining point. Are the words that we are rehearsing, are the promises that we are familiar with here in our head knowledge, do they draw us to the one who made the promise? Listen closely, because I'm not giving you milk right now. I'm giving you meat. I'm giving you a key here. And, and it's not even me. It's just God's word. We put confidence in the one that makes the promise. Not the promise. Listen closely. I can stop right here and leave you there. You could chew on that for the next week. But understand that God wants us to partake of his divine nature. It's him. It's who he is. And so what we need to understand that these promises are great because what they do is they empower us to know God. God's promises empower us to know God. To know God. You know, the Bible recounts the life of a man named Joseph who lived in his father Jacob's house with his 11 brothers in a land called Canaan. Let me tell you something about this guy Joseph and his family. If you do some research on Bible history and you look at the promises of God and you see how God started all this and how he raised up his people and he, he brought the Messiah through it. It all started with the promise of taking his people to a place that he would show them. In Genesis chapter 12, and I'm not going to get into that, but in Genesis chapter 12, God calls a man named Abraham and he says, Abraham, I want you to go to a land that I'm going to show you. And I'm going to bless all the nations through you. And so Abraham leaves. And Abraham ends up going to a land that God showed him to be known as a place called Canaan. And Abraham dwelled amongst terebinth trees and he lived there and he never quite fulfilled it. He was in this land of promise. But this land of promise was more than just for Abraham. It was for all his people. 
It was to show them his goodness. The Bible declares that when they circled back around, that God, when God wanted them to circle back around, he says, listen, I'm taking you to a land that flows with milk and honey. You're going to inhabit cities that you did not build. You're going to be blessed going in and blessed going out. He declared all these promises to them, but he, he was sending them back to a land where they were supposed to be, a place called Canaan. See, Canaan was a land of promise. It was fruitful. It was spacious. It was a land that God had sworn to give his people to inhabit. And this is where Joseph and his family are in Canaan. And this guy, Joseph, was a special kind of guy, just like you. See, he not only lived in the land of promise, but God gave him great and precious promises. And the Bible recounts that on two particular occasions, Joseph had a dream. Now, you got to understand something about this guy, Joseph. He's the youngest of 12 brothers. He is favored by his father. He is loved by his father. So much so that Joseph wore a coat that had many colors. And that coat, was a very special kind of coat. Let me tell you why. Because it distinguished him amongst his brothers and it announced to everyone, this is my favorite son. This is my chosen one. This is the apple of my eye. Hey, by the way, you might say, that's cool for Joseph. No, that's cool for you too because you're clothed in greater measure. The Bible says that you are clothed with righteousness. You're a child of God. So this is your story as much as it is my story, as much as it is Joseph's story. And so Joseph, he was the favorite. And his brothers hated him for it. They despised him for it. And so Joseph was a dreamer. And on one particular, on two particular occasions, he had two dreams that he decided to share with his brothers. The first dream he dreamed that he was out in the field with his brothers and they were binding sheaves of wheat. So they're collecting wheat. And in his dream, his sheaves rise up above him and his brothers. And his brother's sheaves, the bundles that they had, all bowed down to his sheave. The Bible says that when Joseph shared this dream with his brothers, they said, do you intend to rule over us? <laughs> really? You, pipsqueak? You think that we're going to bow down to you. You're crazy. The Bible says that he has another dream. And in this dream, he shares this dream with his brothers and with his father and with his mother. And he says that in, in this dream, the sun, the moon, and 11 stars all bowed down to him. And the Bible says that his father rebuked him, said to him, do you, read, do you intend that we're going to bow down unto you, that we're going to serve you, that we're going to be subservient to you? But the Bible says that his father kept these things in his heart. He knew there was something more to it. See, Joseph didn't have just ordinary dreams. Joseph was given promises by God. Joseph had a destiny that God had preset for him to rule, and to set the path for his people to grow in blessing and expand beyond the borders of where they were. 
to grow. And so, as I said to you, Joseph was his father's favorite. And one day, his father says, hey, Joseph, I need you to, need you to go do something for me. Put your coat on, and I want you to go out to your brothers. And I want you to see how the flocks and your brothers are faring, how they're doing. And bring back word to me. So the Bible says that Joseph takes off and he goes to a distant land and he's looking for his brothers. And when he gets there, he figures out his brothers aren't there. And a stranger, a man who's there says, he asked this man and the man says, oh yeah, they've gone on to Dothan, way, way out there. And so Joseph heads all the way out to where his brothers are. And when he gets there, as he's approaching them in the far distance, they recognize him. I'd like to think that it's very likely that while they didn't see exactly, they couldn't make out who he was, they knew who he was because of the coat that he wore. Let me say something to you. That coat was very significant because it didn't just identify him as a child that was favored. It identified the promise upon his life. The great and precious promises that God had upon his life. Ladies and gentlemen, whether you feel it, whether you see it, whether you believe it or not, you are marked with God's blessing. And God has given you great and precious promises. So Joseph is approaching and his brothers go on to say, oh, here comes the dreamer. Here he comes. And it says that they begin to connive and plot his demise. On this day, their envy for their brother, the despise that they had for him, takes them over the edge. And they get to a place that they would have never thought they would have gotten. They said, let's kill him. Let's kill him. Let's just do away with him. I got a plan, guys. We'll kill him, and then we'll take the jacket, and we'll send it back to dad and say, hey, here's your son's, you know, this is, is this your son's jacket. And then one of the brothers... Reuben, the oldest one, says, no, 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 guys, let's not do this. This is our brother. We can't, can't put this blood on our hands. So the Bible says that he convinces them to throw Joseph into a pit, a hole. He says, leave him there. And, uh, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll figure it out from there. And so he goes on and he comes back. And while he's gone, the oldest, while he's gone, the Bible says that a, a traveling band of Midianites are coming by. These were people that were traitors. And as they're coming by, the Bible says that uh, they say, hey, let's sell him into slavery. That way we don't even kill him. We'll sell him into slavery. We'll take the jacket. We'll kill an animal, one of our goats. We'll dip it in blood and send the jacket back. And so that's what they end up doing. Reuben comes back and he goes, where is he? And he goes, no, I can't believe you did this. And so now Joseph is sold into slavery against his will. All because his life held great promise. All because someone despised the promise of God that he was familiar with. Listen, maybe you can identify with Joseph in that you've always been aware that your life holds great promise. 
I can assure you this, whether you are there or you struggle with that now, there was a day when you looked to life with great promise, where you believed that there was more for you, where you looked forward to it. Maybe you've given up on the promise that your life holds. Maybe you've settled for the bondage imposed upon you by the choices of others over you or maybe the choices you've made. Or maybe you continue to look to the promises while facing life. Let me just say something to you this morning that wherever you find yourself today, I have good news for you. The problems of life are not greater than the promises of God. And it's when we buy the lie of what comes our way and we exalt that above the promises of God that we begin to lose vision for the possible with God. Is it any wonder that the Bible says that without vision, people perish? God's promises give you vision. God's promises give you purpose. And so, just like Joseph, your life is a vessel containing great promise. Your life holds great destiny. I want you to consider something in Deuteronomy chapter 28, verses 3 through 13. Starting at verse 3, it says, You will be blessed in the city and blessed in the country. The fruit of your womb will be blessed and the crops of your land and the young of your livestock and the calves of your herds and the lambs of your flocks. Your basket and your netting trough will be blessed. I want you to begin to see that every area of your life is intended to be blessed. It says you'll be blessed when you come in and you'll be blessed when you go out. The Lord will will grant that the enemies who rise up against you will be defeated before you. They will come at you from one direction, but flee from you in seven. The Lord will send a blessing on your barns and on everything you put your hand to. The Lord your God will bless you in the land he is giving you. The Lord will establish you as his holy people, as he has promised you on oath. If you keep the commands of the Lord your God and walk in obedience to him. Then all the peoples on the earth will see that you are called by the name of the Lord. And they will fear you. The Lord will grant you abundant prosperity in the fruit of your womb, the young of your livestock, and the crops of your ground, in the land he swore to your ancestors to give you. And the Lord will open the heavens, the storehouses of his bounty, to send rain on your land in season, And to bless all the work of your hands, you will lend to many nations, but will borrow from none. And the Lord will make you the head and not the tail. If If you pay attention to the commands of the Lord your God that I give you this day and carefully follow them, you will always be at the top, never at the bottom. Those are some pretty awesome promises. Now let me tell you something. Those promises just begin to scratch the surface. Do you know that in the Old Testament alone, there are over 7,706 promises made by God directly to you? 
in the New Testament, there's another 1,104 promises that God has made directly to you. 8,800 plus promises that God has made it to you. Don't tell me that we don't have what we need for life. Don't buy the lie that you can't see a better future for your life. And if you can't see it, then the question is, what promises have you been relying on? And so Joseph finds himself a slave. Let's read in Genesis 39, verses 1 through 6, what happens. It says, now Joseph had been taken down to Egypt. Potiphar, an Egyptian who was one of Pharaoh's officials, the captain of the guard, brought him from the Ishmaelites who had taken him there. And the Lord was with Joseph so that he prospered. And he lived in the house of, the, of his Egyptian master. And when his master saw that the Lord was with him, and that the Lord gave him success in everything that he did, Joseph found favor in his eyes and became his attendant. Potiphar put him in charge of his household and he entrusted to his care everything he owned. From the time he put him in charge of his household and all that he owned, the Lord blessed the household of the Egyptian because of Joseph. The blessing of the Lord was on everything Potiphar had, both in the house and in the field. And so Potiphar left everything he had in Joseph's care. With Joseph in charge, he did not concern himself with anything except the food he ate. Listen, while Joseph was a slave against his will, he enjoyed the freedoms that God's promises provided. Now, what's interesting about this is this, that the Bible says that this man Potiphar saw that the Lord was with Joseph. Here's the question. How did he see it? Did he see God? No. You know what he saw? He saw the promise of God at work in this man's life. Let me tell you something about God's promises. There is an evidence of them in your life. There's an evidence. And as we become familiar with the God of these great and precious promises, as we begin to put confidence in God and not simply regurgitate words, as we begin to trust in God, as Joseph did, what you'll find is this, that these great and precious promises will pave the way for your life. You don't have to try and wrestle and struggle to make it on your own. Take a hold of the promises of God. Let them lead the way. Psalm 23, verses 5 and 6 says this. It says, the psalmist David says, You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. He says, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. David was so conscious of the promises of God that here's what he understood. No matter where I go, these promises, they make a way for me. They follow me. His blessing is all over my life. Listen, the promises of God upon your life don't just run over. They run you over, ladies and gentlemen. They pursue you wherever you go. Wherever you go, God's goodness and mercy follows you. 
follows you. And here's why it follows us. Because we're meant to partake of these promises. So the Bible tells us that Joseph finds himself in a sticky situation. See, this guy's Potiphar's wife. She had eyes. And here's what she noticed. This guy, Joseph, is mm, sucky, sucky, quack, quack. He is good looking. Mm-mm-mm-mm-mm-mm. She's checking him out. She's pursuing him. Day in and day out, she's after him. Hey, Joseph. Got something for you. And he's like, can't do that. Not going there. Let me tell you the power of this great and precious promise. These great and precious promises that Joseph had. Joseph finds himself harassed daily with temptation. And it finally gets to a point where Joseph says to this woman in Genesis 39 verse 9. It records that Joseph says this. How then could I do such a wicked thing? And sin, watch this, against God. See where his heart was? See what he was focused on? He was focused on the God of the promise. He was convinced that God was who he said he was and that he was blessed wherever he went. This guy, Joseph, knew God is with me. God is for me. His promises are true. He's a slave. But while he's a slave, he's living better than every other slave. He's number two in the house of the captain of the guard of Egypt. Don't have time to get into this, but the Bible recounts that he gets away from this woman and she sets him up and he ends up in prison being falsely accused. And while he's in prison, guess what happens to Joseph? He rises to the top. He's a prisoner in the prison and the warden of the prison says, Here's the keys. You run the place. I don't have to worry about anything with you here. See, whatever life promised Joseph, it paled in comparison to God's promise. It paled in comparison to the God that he served. Can I tell you that no matter what promises have been made to you in this world, No matter what you've trusted in, even up until this point, they pale in comparison to the God of promise that we serve. He is faithful and true. And so the Bible tells us that eventually Joseph gets out of prison. Yes, Holy Spirit. Listen, you are blessed. You are blessed. You are blessed. You are favored of God. You are chosen of God. His promises are true and they will not fail you. Listen closely. It is by these great and precious promises that this kingdom functions. And God says... Daily, he reminds us of his promises. You know why? Because he's reminding us. It's in my nature to bless you. It's in my nature to cause you to excel in everything. It's in my nature to build you up, not tear you down. 
Joseph eventually finds himself becoming number two in all Egypt. He's running the spot. He's got it all. He is the man, a Jew amongst Egyptians, amongst his enemies. He's placed by his enemy to rule over them. Don't tell me God ain't good. That's how God works. That's why you must accept this promise. You must accept the God of promise that says to you, you are the head, you are not the tail. You are above only, you are never beneath. You are blessed going in, you are blessed going out. Everything you set your hands to will prosper. Your, your herds, your calves, your money, your finances, your relationships, your marriage, your home, everything is blessed. That's my promise unto you, says God. Listen, God's promises are so powerful that they will give you hope for the future, vision for the present, and confidence in life's most uncertain times. As we close here today, I want to just quickly share with you some promises. Hebrews 13, 5 says this, God has said, who said? God has said, I will never leave you. Never will I forsake you. God is present in your life. Genesis 15.1, I am your shield, your very great reward. In God, you have protection. Isaiah 41.10, I will strengthen you and help you. In God, you have help and power. Psalm 32.8, I will instruct you and teach you in the way that you should go. In God, you have guidance. Jeremiah 29.11, for I know the plans I have for you. Plans to prosper you and not harm you. To give you hope in the future. In God, he gives you purpose. He gives you a plan. He has the details for your life. Matthew eleven twenty eight. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. In God, you have rest. Hebrews eight twelve. For I will forgive their wickedness and will remember their sin no more. In God, you have forgiveness. Psalm eighty four eleven. No good thing does he withhold from those who walk whose walk is blameless. In God, you have all that is good. And Jeremiah 33, 6, I will heal them and reveal to them abundance of prosperity and security. In God, you have healing. You prosper and you are secure because he is the one who upholds you day in and day out. In every one of these promises, I want you to focus on the foundation of those promises, God says, I will. I am your strength. I. Listen. The kingdom of God is available to you and I. And the kingdom of God is not just about religious rules. It's not about behavior modification. God's not trying to get you to change your behavior. God is interested in a change of heart. And according to this kingdom, here's what we begin to see. That God wants us to experience it all. It's not a system of rules. It's not get up, get down, pray this, pray that. Do this, do that, and then you're made right with God. No, it's no God. And as you know God, you know what begins to happen? The vision that you have for life begins to change. 
the promises begin to define something so much more than what you've seen and known. And you begin to believe in that which seemed impossible. And now you begin to see that it's possible with God. You begin, to, you begin to discover that His ways are truly better than your ways and His thoughts are truly higher than your thoughts. And you can succeed in every area. Tonight, today, let's stand. Heavenly Father, we come to you in the precious and mighty name of Jesus. God, we look today to the God of promise. We are confident in you, Lord. We are trusting in you, Lord. And Father, I thank you that this day, eyes are open and your people see and believe that, Lord, you are for them and not against them. That while they may endure challenges, Lord, you are the one that overcomes every challenge. David said that with God, I can scale a a wall. I can come against the truth. Nothing can come against your people. This day, they are blessed. They are blessed. They are blessed. They were blessed coming in and they are blessed going out. God of promise, we look to you and we trust in your promises. I thank you that today, your people are partaking of your divine nature. That this goes far beyond religion. That this goes far beyond emotion. That from this day forward, they have life change. Their eyes are opened by your goodness. His goodness and mercy are following you every day. Every day. And so Lord, today we come to you with open hearts. We understand and we believe.